You are now tuning in to Black Light, the collegiate discussion on the black student diaspora. What's up, guys? It's me again, Leon Humphrey Jr., and you are tuning in to Blacklight, the collegiate discussion on the Black Student Diaspora. Man, we have a special episode today. Today is Rep Your Set, the different communities that black students belong to. Uh, so with me today, my guest, again, is Alex Giotto, my man. How you feeling? Hey, I'm feeling good. It's not like I was just here, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on the show. Oh, man, my man. So... Again, so if for the audience who are just coming up with us um, just recently, uh, if they don't know you, so just introduce yourself, my man. Okay, so my name is Alexander Giotto. I am a junior here at ETSU. I am a psychology major currently, and I am a cadet in the ROTC program here on campus. What other organizations you know, uh, do you reside in? I am a member of Black Affairs. I am a uh, pianist slash keyboard player um, for the uh, for the uh, gospel choir. I'm sorry. That's amazing, my man. So today we're going to talk about the different communities that black students belong to. And by different communities, we can also say different organizations. Because these organizations are one of the key things that actually keep black students not only here on this campus, but keep them busy. Keep students uh, involved in everything, especially impacting other black students on this campus. So first off, what we can do, we can identify um, the cultures of blacks, the culture of black students here on campus. What cultures do you think uh, that black students usually reside in on campus? Well, I'll say most of the uh, most of black students are either athletes uh, there in uh, black fairs, gospel choir, things like that. Um, definitely the NPHC um, fraternities and sororities. National Panhellenic Council, uh, yes. the Council historically African American fraternity sorority uh, life, that was um, meant to service um, African Americans throughout the whole country. Uh, mm -hmm. Started um, with the organization so Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated in 1906, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated in 1908, um, Omega Psi Phi. Fraternity Incorporated and Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated in 1911, uh, Delta Sigma Theta in 1913, Phi Beta Sigma in 1914, uh, Zeta Phi Beta in 1920, Sigma Gamma Rho in 1922, and Iota Phi Theta in 1963. And of those organizations we have here on ETSU campus is um, Alpha Phi Alpha, Alpha Kappa Alpha, who which uh, recently came back. Uh, Phi Beta Sigma, Zeta Phi Beta, and Omega Psi Phi. We, d we used to have Kappa Alpha Psi and Delta Sigma Theta, um, and we used to have Iota Phi Theta, uh, just for a little tenure. So, right, right, tenure. right. And so, other organizations kind of encompassing, or actually not just organizations, but we can talk about the communities. Um, when it com when it comes to culture, usually when it comes to culture, people think you know the culture as in race, ethnicity, but also you have to think about the culture of the way things are done, the way people see things, focus. What, when they had asked, you know, what is your, what is the culture of your organization or the culture of your business? You know what I'm talking about when it comes yeah. to that. Um, with that situation, 
with these groups, what do they do for African Americans here on campus? Okay. So And not just African I'm sorry. Uh black students. What do they do for black students on campus? Okay, so I feel like they provide a home and a av- um advocation for black um for black students. So for uh, when I say home, I mean people who are interested in these organizations that there that's a brotherhood or sisterhood for these people. And then people who are not can also still be influenced by those organizations um, through their um, service to the community. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when we go back to culture, every organization has its own culture. Everyone, uh, every organization has its own history and not everyone belongs in the same organization. But with this, with this idea of everyone's individual culture and, um, who they uh, identify with comes this um, comes this uh, ideology of division, and it's I think it's detrimental detrimental on a campus where not a lot of black students reside for division to occur, because when this division occurs, then you have students uh, identifying with this group but not realizing that all these group all these groups come together and serve a higher purpose than what it seems to be on the platform mm-hmm. i think you put up a great point especially what we service for our black students and we usually forget i feel like we as a community usually forgets not only you know black students aren't just african-american we also have our african exchange students yep. students with african families um, shades of africa is one of the most prominent organizations here on campus that that are constantly putting up activities and events oh, yeah. for the students provided yeah they just had a uh a shades of africa uh, what was it page- pageant of some mm-hmm. sort. i and love their pageant it was filled up filled up different races different um ethnic um ethnic backgrounds and it was just a great opportunity for people to learn more about different cultures and at the same time eat, eat different um, foods from different um, places and Kind of, it kind of knocked down stereotypes of uh, Africa and Africans um, as a whole. They uh, not only that organization, but there are different or, there are different um, events that MPHC uh, runs. There's different events that uh, Black Affairs run um, that kind of basically brings their presence to the campus, and, I, and that's what I really like about the organizations. And another thing that we forget some about organizations that have our black students, organizations who are predominantly white, um, organizations like the IFC fraternities, um, ROTC, um, some organizations uh, within uh, one's major. And when it comes to it, would you still consider those organizations, or actually, would you consider, would you still consider those students a part of the black community here on ATSU campus? So you're talking about the uh, the black students in the in, in these the, predominantly uh, white organizations. Yes, I would consider, I would consider them uh, still a part of the black community, but I feel like sometimes the question is, do they consider this, themselves still a part of the black community? Because mm. we're talking like we're talking hypothetically here, but in the like being realistic, a lot of times when we see black people join like different these type of organizations with, that are predominantly white they are now like 
frowned upon within the black or within like the black community mm-hmm. when they now hang around white people like most of the time so they will begin to think and feel that they are no longer accepted in the black community um i'm in rtc and it's a majority i would say there's three black people out of i want to say 75 80 80 cadets um if that and at starting out i started out my first semester in rtc um one of one of three black people and it was just about me performing at their level, me performing, um, but also taking the skills and the um, interactions that I that I get from there and bringing it back to the black community because I eventually got introduced to the black community. So it was just about having that balance because the world isn't just black and white. Mm-hmm. The world isn't just black and white. So if you can interact successfully with black people and interact successfully with white people, you can, I think you can thrive. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, when it comes to you brought up a good point about, you know, uh, some of our black students being in those organizations, being kind of outcast. Um, to be honest with you, when it comes to black students being in the IFC, I'm not a big fan of it. I really I am a part of the um, National Panhellenic Council, member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. And sometimes it still kind of grinds my gears when seeing some of our students, you know, join these IFC organizations with brothers who I feel as though doesn't really back them up. And by back them up, I mean, especially when it comes to certain um, issues within our country, issues as in race relations. You have some IFC organizations, you know, whenever they have like events and everything, still saying the N-word, thinking like everything is all right. Yeah, And that's one of my biggest... Um, and especially when it comes to being in an organization, especially um, historically, historically didn't really were too keen about having people like us in yeah. their organizations. Yeah. And so I'm kind of, I don't want to say bias because it is, it is my opinion. It is my opinion. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and there, there are actually amazing um, black members in some of these IFC organizations. Now, don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I'm not saying that I don't like them. I'm just saying that it, it kind of hurts, you know, seeing those black students in those organizations like that. Yeah. But sometimes I do see why. I had talked to uh, one of the members um, of one of our fraternities here at IFC, and he had completely told me when he got to campus, he didn't know much about the MPHC, you True. know. Same. I grew, when I grew up, I grew up, my dad was a Sigma. My mom was a Zeta. Like, I already knew about Greek life. And I knew what was expected of Greek life, what what everything had to deal with. And I made my decision there. There are a lot of black students who don't know about Greek life, yeah. especially historically black Greek life. When they come on campus, they hear, like, you know, you you want to find a brotherhood. You want to find a community. Like, let's 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 go Greek. That's the only thing that people hear about. And then when it comes to finally going Greek, you hear, okay, how can I go Greek? Oh, you can go to Rush Week. Yeah. <laughs> some, of the black, hey. <laughs> some of the black students would be like, Rush Week? Rush Week. Okay. okay. Let's try it. And then <laughs> they sit in one of the meetings just uncomfortable. Oh, have you? Oh, man. I remember walking in one of those meetings and some of the black students, you could tell that they were they were actually looking for the MPHC. Yeah. And I like, um, I remember going in there and just looking and they were just like, where they at though? Where, where they at though? Yeah. And so, uh, luckily, I had uh, friends within um, 
the Panhellenic Conference, which is um, the, uh, predominantly white sororities, mm-hmm. um, they had went up to them and were like, if you are looking for the MPHC, they do things differently. Yeah. But sometimes we don't have that help in Panhellenic and IFC. Mm-mm. A lot of their members not really, how can I say, aware of um, different cultural aspects. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of their members that are definitely qualified and there are great Greek members in general as uh, in society and as a whole in general. Like, I love them to death. But there are some members of those organizations who I feel don't appreciate be, being a fraternity or sorority member yeah. the right way and also just don't appreciate people yeah. in general. I think it, I think it goes back to what you were saying about how you were brought up and raised in a family of um, of Greeks, like your father was a um, was a uh, sigma and your uh, mother was a zeta. Uh, for I think sometimes, like you said, for these um, for these uh, people who go um, who go completely opposite of what of what you would go if you were in their position, um, do that because of how sometimes how they were brought up. A lot of people were surrounded by you know what I'm saying by white people. A lot of people were surrounded by. Uh, by the by, like people like you know Sigma Chi, like they were surrounded by these this this they were in this environment that would suggest, hey, when I go to college, this is what I'm going to do, or I'm going to do something similar. Like you got you got black guys who were um, who were in you know what I'm saying uh, different like private schools and things like that. Like so, would you say like you know you know the the black people being considered Oreos? Now, when it comes to that, because you brought up a good point. Growing up, I was considered an Oreo. And mm-hmm. for uh, for those of the audience who don't know what being an Oreo is, it's being an Oreo is considered a black person who acts white. white yeah. And you could be called be called an Oreo from your black peers and your white peers. Uh, growing up, I went to a predominantly black elementary school and a predominantly black middle school. Mm-hmm. The first person to ever say that I acted white, talked white, was a black person. Even I had family members, um, long distance family members, uh, but my parents would, you know, kind of shut that down in a heartbeat, because you know, what when it comes to talking white or acting white, you can't act a color, you can't. Not, yeah. And it, and I remember I would let that slide in high school. Like one thing that really um, deterred me away was kind of like people saying, "Oh, Leon, you you act you act white, like you're." Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, okay, yeah, like, because like, I went to a predominantly white school in a high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had a lot of white friends. And until, like, <laughs> senior year, I kind of was like, you know what? A lot of the stuff that y'all do are re- is really offensive. Yeah. Um, Suspect. <laughs> I don't like this at all. And so, like, when, it came, uh, when I came to college and everything, I also met other people who were considered Oreos in school. And I had to f- pretty much fall in love with my blackness again. And when it comes to seeing other students that are like that, to me it's kind of like, you know, fall in love with your blackness a little, little bit more. Like, come over, come here, come here. But again, you know, there are some black students that are, how can I say, they're like really comfortable with that, and you know, they may let stuff slide, but that's that's up to their discretion and everything. And it's, but sometimes I feel like they could use their blackness to how could I say obtain they can use their color for like for so much so much more influence than what they have available to them right now I feel like mm-hmm. like in my opinion 
joining doing something like that is a form of like culture appropriation. I feel like like so in some aspects, like when it's it's already good. Like in certain situations, it's already bad enough that white people, some white people, feel entitled. But if a black person joins that organization, now this a different type of entitlement comes to those white people. Like now they feel okay. Now he's a brother. Now we can treat him as such. But although he is a brother in your like in your fraternity's eyes, he is not a brother like you don't share the same background. You don't share the same history. So certain things you cannot do or say, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he is a brother. So I feel like sometimes um, the, like people want to appropriate, like people want to appropriate it as, as if they can, as if they now have ownership of that person, have ownership of that, of that culture because they're now part of your brotherhood. Mm. Now, what about when it comes to a white person joining a black organization? So, because um, me being a Sigma, I have numerous brothers who were white. I have um, two white Neos. My uh, LB, my line brother, he's white himself. And uh, if you all do not know what a line brother is, a line brother is someone who had um, joined the organization the same time as you in the same chapter. And so, um, and I love Nadef, and those guys have been amazing when it came to uh, representing uh, representing our chapter, <laughs> representing our chapter and everything. So, what do you think about um, you know white students joining our black organizations that house our black communities? Okay, so here's the difference between um, between those two. When a black person joins a, a predominantly white organization they have to now um they have to now obtain um they have to now live the culture values of that organization but these are the same culture values they live they already live in their daily lives living in a country that is predominantly white so living in this country already means that we have to we experience a culture that is not ours so there it is nothing new to a black person I'm joining a um, predominantly white fraternity because this is something they are already used to. When a white man joins or a white person joins a predominantly black fraternity, they are now introduced to culture they have not they have not yet to experience. And now they and this is this is a, is a culture shock for them because now, and I feel like it's actually very like I I condone it. I love when white people join um, predominantly white organizations because they are introduced and exposed to. Um, to culture. You said predominantly black organizations? So when a, did I, okay, maybe I said it wrong. When a white, I, I condone white people joining predominantly white, um, predominantly black organizations because uh-huh. when they do so, they are exposed to a culture that is unlike their own and mm-hmm. they are forced to understand or to at least listen to something they have not, they have yet to hear. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. And so. with that <clears throat> becomes allies. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we need more of. Um, but there are some black students who are against it. Um, um, what do you think are the reasons why black students are sometimes against, you know, white students, um, you know, joining these uh, historically predominantly black organizations? Well, half the time is ignorance and um, and them being scared that they will appropriate their culture. Mm-hmm. The other half is just them 
not really giving them a ch- not really giving white people a chance mm-hmm. because I think I think sometimes we we fight and we um, protest and we like we yell that you guys don't understand us, but you're not giving them an opportunity to understand us. Mm-hmm. If you go through a process, if you go through um, a process in which you under, in which you are given the opportunity to understand someone else's culture, that's one step and one more person that you have on your side in understanding your struggle. Mm. That's a good point. All right, so when it comes to, like, um, all of our black organizations here on campus, um, do you are, – are we unified? Do you think we're unified? I don't think so. You don't think I, so? I don't think – I don't think – Is there any cohe- cohesive, like, thing that we're not uh, – well, anything that we're not doing to where, like, it would help in the cohesion of our campus community? I feel like there's a lot of division. Like, it's just – I feel like it's in various places. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. Black people and Africans uh, have have. There's a divide there. Yes. And then there's already a divide within black people in itself. That so you got black people divided. Then that group of black people divided with the Africans. Like me personally, I am African American, but I'm like, I am like African American. Like my parents are from Nigeria, and mm-hmm. I was born here. So mm-hmm. like I identify with two different cultures. So I identify with Africans. Um, and I also identify with uh, African Americans, like black people, mm-hmm. and it's if I find it difficult sometimes to uh, to kind of like fit in to both co- like to both uh, groups because both of them are part of you. Exactly, both are a part of me, but they're both like it doesn't go both ways. So mm-hmm. they understand a part of me, but they don't like I understand them in in a whole, mm-hmm. but they only understand a part of me. Mm-hmm. I can't go to the Africans and r- really like be cohesive with them all the time because they like I don't ha- I don't share the same accent with them. Although I speak the same language, I do not share the same accent. Mm-hmm. Like they have a they have there's an accent that they have. I may speak the same language, but like they'll still know that hey, this guy is not from where we are from. Right. This guy hasn't been through the things that we have been through to make it to this country. Then same thing with uh, same thing with the um, with African Americans. I speak very fast, especially when I'm nervous. I speak very fast, <laughs> and um, this just comes from um, the language that I already that I was born to speak. And there's some parts of me that they will not understand because they don't they don't know. Mm. So um, back sorry back to the divide. I I don't know I don't necessarily know why the divide is there. But I think it's maybe because of that reason I just told about myself. Because we don't understand each exactly, other. Exactly, because we don't understand each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why the divide is there. But in terms of within the black community, I just feel like people take that people take different organizations and different um, stances, social stances, and take it to the head and say, okay, since that guy has a different opinion than me, then we can no longer be friends. Although we have the same colors, although we have the same um, skin color, he has a different opinion than me, so now we cannot be friends. He looks at life differently, and he has different um, he has different perspectives on on society and on or on um, policy or on whatever it may be. So now we no longer may be friends. Uh, for instance, let's say let's say someone in black affairs, um, he's pro black, and then let's say someone in um, St- uh, Shades of Africa, pro Africa. They have different they have different opinions about America because they come from different places. So now they now they believe that they can no longer be friends when that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Different 
I've learned in, in um, philosophy class that in order to be objective, you need different people with different biases to come uh, to come up with a um, with the best conclusion possible. Mm-hmm. So you can no longer, you, I mean, you can never make progress without adversity. You can never make pro- um, progress without argumentation. So that's just that's just what I think about it. Oh, thank you, my man. Well, what do you think is the so what about the divide that you had stated within um the bl- uh black student community as in like the, the African Americans not not so the students who are, you know, born of African parents, the students who are born of, you know, black American mm-hmm. parents. Where so, do you think the the issue lies with them cuz do you believe that they are also divided as well? Cuz I do. I, I honestly divided. I feel like especially in this day and age a lot of people join organizations or like just do stuff mainly for what we say for clout. clout. So when someone <laughs> when someone says that they're doing something for clout, they're doing something for attention, for views, for appreciation, for whatsoever. And when it comes to that, I believe that's the wrong reason because I feel like we should join these things because we should be motivated to do more, to be something a part, to be a part of something bigger. Yeah, I agree. Like. If okay, for example, I'm going to use NPHC Greeks. I don't know a lot about um, history because I was I wasn't I don't come from um, that type of background. But from what I do understand, a lot of these organizations um, were were uh, founded in times where black people had limited amount of resources um, of education and opportunity um, of cohesiveness and um, togetherness. So I I feel like. And I think I, I was, we were talking about this earlier, that we're now reaping the benefits of historical, like, like of history's struggle. We're reaping the benefits of, um, we're literally walking in the trails, walking in the ways that people, that other people have paid for us. And we're not, we're taking this opportunity for ourselves and not for other people. Like, people have paved the way. For um for like for us to be here, for us to be able to have conversations, for us to be sitting in this room and having this discussion right now, mm-hmm. but instead of using it to help another agenda and um create a, like create another solution, we're just creating problems within ourselves. That's what I. That's how I feel about it. I agree completely. Period. Point blank. You brought up great point. So, so Alex, let me hear your final thoughts. What is your advice for students who are in these different communities on um, how how they can be unified with other organizations within our black community? How can we find a more unified black community here as a black student on ETSU's campus or a predominantly white institution in general? Okay, what I'll say is as an individual, figure out yourself. Know yourself before you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You cannot contribute to something bigger than yourself if you cannot help yourself first. You cannot help others unless you can help yourself first. So before you want to, before you want to make a difference, before you want to bring others together, you must be cohesive within yourself. You cannot, like, you cannot, then that's why the divide is there because people don't even know themselves. People are joining organizations they have no idea about. You can't, like, you need to, you need to know your information you need to know your know the history behind what you are doing before you put two feet into it, because a lot of these organizations, these organizations could not have happened a hundred years ago. You, the fact that we are here today and that we are participating in these things is a blessing, first of all, 
and we should use it and um, use it for the betterment of others. Use it for the betterment of of itself. We should and of our community, it. exactly yep. of the of the community. So that's that would be my main advice. Be as an individual. Help yourself before you can help. Before you try to help anyone else. Before you judge anyone else, be self-judging. Like understand yourself. Understand where your opinions lie and where your perspective is. Then you can um, analyze the problems within your community. All right. Now, how can faculty and staff aid in the unification? I say, I say support. I say support always. I feel like if you're there. I feel like a body is all that like all this all that you need. Miss Terry, Miss Terry gives little. She gives a okay when she gives an opinion. Everyone knows she's giving an opinion. <laughs> I'm not Love gonna say she thing. doesn't talk, but when it comes to things that happen in the organization, she allows us to. She allows us to come to um, come to conclusions to our problems. She allows us to fix our own problems and to like plan our, most of our events. Like she, she's there us, to advise. She, she's there to advise. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a difference between being an advisor and being an administrator. Being an administrator means you are you are you are face first. Like you are ahead of the whole thing. You are the thought process, everything. But being an advisor is simply being there to guide. Simply being there as a as a brain. Like if they need something, if they need um, advice, <laughs> you are there to advise. So that's just my that would just be my um, my advice to advisors. Well, my man, Alex Jado, thank you for coming on the show again, my man. Um, your point of view was amazing. I, I love to hear it, hear it again. And we could talk about more subjects uh, after the fact. My man, thank you for coming on the show, my man. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a lot of fun. All right. So special thanks to my producer, my boy, Matt Bugatti. Thank you for coming with me, my man. All right. Also, thank you to Professor Charlangi and Tammy Hayes. Uh, thank you for our, thank you to our tech advisor, Jesse Denny. Love you, Jesse. Uh, Miss Georgia Jackson Dover, thank you for everything that you do and letting us use the uh, the room here. You are uh, you are very appreciated. Uh, thank you and love you, Candy. Always got love for you. Um, and also, last but not least, thank you, Media Communication Department at East Tennessee State University. I again, I'm your host, Leon Humphrey, and this was Blacklight, the collegiate discussion on the Black Student Diaspora. God bless. Mm-hmm.